So this is a reading from Uncommon Grounds by Mark Pendergrast uh, out of the introduction, uh, Puddle Water or Panacea. Uh, so it starts, it is only a berry encasing a double-sided seed. It first grew on a shrub or a small tree, depending on your perspective or height, under the Ethiopian rainforest canopy high on the mountainsides. The evergreen leaves form glossy ovals and, like the seeds, are laced with caffeine. Yet coffee is big business, one of the world's most valuable agricultural commodities providing the largest jolt of the world's most widely taken psychoactive drug. From its original African home, coffee propagation has spread in a girdle around the globe, taking over whole plains and mountainsides between the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn. In the form of a hot fusion of its grounds, roasted seeds, coffee is consumed for its bittersweet bouquet, its mind-racing jumpstart, and social bonding. At various times, it has been prescribed as an aphrodisiac, enema, nerve tonic, and life extender. Coffee provides a livelihood of sorts for some 125 million human beings. It is an incredibly labor-intensive crop. Callous palms plant the seeds, nurse the seedlings under a shade canopy, transplant them to mountainside ranks, prune and fertilize, spray for pests, irrigate, harvest, and lug 200-pound bags of coffee cherries. Labors regulate the complicated process of removing the precious bean from its covering of pulp and mucilage. Then the beans must be spread to dry for several days or heated in drums, the parchment and silver skin removed, and the resulting green beans bagged for shipment, roasting, grinding, and brewing around the world. Welcome to the Digitally Connected Podcast with Joel Herter and Drew Knoll. Technology is integrated into every facet of our lives, impacting the way we work, live, and connect with the people in our communities and around the world. In the rapidly evolving digital landscape, the Digitally Connected Podcast explores future trends from the leading innovators in tech so you can stay informed and stay connected. Now, here are your hosts, Joel Herter and Drew Knoll. All right. What's up, everybody? Uh, it is Drew and Joel back with another episode of the Digitally Connected Podcast. Joel, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Drew. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. And if uh, if my energy is a little elevated, it is, uh, it's because I've had my more than daily dose of coffee. So, um, <laughs> so that is, uh, yeah, that's what's going on. Good. Um, it's not because yeah, CBD is legal in, in Texas yet. Right. Is it legal in Texas? Yet? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. No. Um, well, that's a hard left. <laughs> it's a hard left. Um, why is your energy up, Drew? Tell me about why your energy's up. My energy's up because I am an avid and probably over consumer of coffee. Okay. And uh, so today's episode is, uh, and that was an awful segue. Segways <laughs> are not a talent of mine. I guess technically it wasn't a segue. It was more of a, just an awful intro. But our episode today is, is going to be a little different than some of our other episodes where we've tackled tech topics and trends and all of those things. They're talking to really smart people about really complex things. Today, we're going to take a, a look at the, the technology through the lens of connection and familiarity and appreciation. And the reason that we're 
starting with the topic of coffee is one, it's something that anybody that knows me knows I'm uber passionate about. I'm like maybe one of the three people on the planet that will drink coffee black um, because I actually enjoy the flavor of coffee. And what a lot of people don't understand is there is a lot of technology and science that goes into coffee and why that's important. And I, and I think that, you know, when we were talking and planning on this episode, the thought was that there is an enhanced appreciation uh, or affection for something when you understand it better, right? Like mm -hmm. prior, call it five years ago, before I, you know, really got into the 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 minutiae of coffee, I was just I just liked it. I would drink any kind of coffee. I still will, um, but like I wasn't concerned with where the bean come, where did it originate from, what was the process behind, you know, all of those things. And I liked coffee, but I certainly didn't have the affection for it that I do now. There's kind of a dual parallel thought process here in terms of what's going to drive our discussion. One, I think there's a lot of cool technology around coffee, and it's it's that everyday tech, right? Like some of the stuff that we talk about is tech that not everybody touches. It may affect us, but it's not, you know, hands-on tech every day. We just want to talk about a really cool kind of everyday tech but then also we will explore through a couple different veins that idea of understanding something increases and enhances our appreciation and affection and ultimately resulting in a, a joy-filled experience of, of whatever it is that, that you are appreciating or, or, or increasing your understanding of. I want you to walk me through some of this a little bit. Because I will say that it's more than three of you, because I only drink black coffee. But the reason I only drink black coffee is a number of years ago, I did Whole30 and uh, mm. did that as part of a just self-health wellness. It was a great experience for me, and I felt a lot better. And of course, in Whole30, you eliminate cream and sugar from your coffee, Right. And what had happened was, is I developed a, a new habit mm -hmm. in drinking coffee black. And I discovered by sustaining that habit, I'm just a healthier person. I am don't have the struggles that I may have had before with weight gain and things like that. But I've not sure. necessarily gained a greater appreciation for the taste of coffee. Yeah. It's more I disciplined out of my palate, a desire for the cream and sugar. Sure. It's not that yeah. I really developed a keen taste, a sense of sophisticated understanding of the flavors of the coffee, which you did. So yeah. tell me about that. How is it that you developed this sense of really not just understanding, being aware of, being conscious of, but also enjoying the flavor of coffee itself what was that yeah like for you yeah so so my experience is uh the neighborhood that we live in it's one of these master plan communities and there's actually there is literally it used to be a dairy farm and there's an old farmhouse so about gosh i think it was about two maybe three years ago a family took over the farmhouse and actually they installed a coffee shop inside the the farmhouse literally a block and a half from my house 
we developed a really good friendship with the the family that owns it. And uh, when they were first starting out, they didn't have a ton of employees. There's a lot of you know family kind of staffing it and whatnot. And I happened to be in there and they were talking about needing some people to cover some shifts. And I was like, Hey, I don't know what the crap I'm doing. Uh, but if you'll teach me, uh, I'm more than happy to come and help cover some shifts. At the time I was actually working a job that was hundred percent remote. Um, and so I had some flexibility in my schedule. So I would go in, uh, to the coffee shop in their lull between rush periods or high traffic times. And I actually got trained as a, as a barista. And so because I'm the massive nerd that I am, I couldn't just get trained as a barista. I had to dig into the science and the technology and, and everything that goes into I studied the entire cycle from, you know, the the cherry uh, or the berry, if you will, on the coffee tree, uh, all the way to, you know, what's in my cup, you know, so because I was immersed in that experience, it, it definitely drove me to that knowledge. There are plenty of people out there that aren't trained baristas that have the same affinity for coffee and the same understanding and knowledge of coffee as I do. I think it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's a personality thing. I think you just get interested in things that you get interested in. For me, I, it was one of those things where, because I did consume coffee every day, multiple times a day, I wanted to know, you know, what is it that what's in my cup? How did it get here? What effects we've all tasted really bad coffee and we've all tasted really good coffee. And I wanted to know, what was the difference? You know, why does one taste like garbage and one tastes amazing? So you learned, you dug yeah. into it. You had the opportunity to be taught and trained and an apprentice type thing. You had somebody mm -hmm. actually walk you through it and show you techniques and the trade. Yeah. You've also, of your own volition as a nerd, jumped into it yourself <laughs> and dug more into it. You've got this yep. knowledge now. So tell yeah. me, what do you think, what happens to you when you take a sip of coffee and it's a great cup of coffee? What, what, mm -hmm. what happens to you from yeah, a taste so perspective, from a mental perspective, a whole, what happens when you now that you have that yeah, knowledge? So it certainly, it triggers all of that knowledge, right? So like as when I take a sip of coffee, there's a, a chain of coffee shops around the world. When I go drink their coffee, I cannot drink it black, straight black. I have to add something to it because of the way that they roast their coffee. In my opinion, from my palate, it's over roasted. And so it's it's got a bitter kind of acrid taste to it. So one of the first things I taste and can notice is how the coffee was roasted. And there's a whole process to that. There's some actually some fairly refined technology that goes into that. But then there's also this, it's an experience thing. You know, these roasters have, that have roasted millions of pounds of coffee, you know, and, and they, there's a there's a smell, there's a sound there, you know, all, there's all these things they check for. So I, I experienced that I, I the, some of that knowledge starts popping off of okay, well, how was it? How was it roasted? You know, how was it brewed? Was it a in terms of, uh, you know, the actual coffee grounds and how like the process by which it's brewed, you're gonna get there's a wide variety of taste, whether it's an espresso, right, if they're pulling a shot off of an espresso machine, if you're doing a pour over or a French press or a mocha pot or some sort of, co you know, cold brew or 
aero. I mean, there's all kinds of different processes by which you actually extract the coffee, the oil of the coffee bean out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you can, I, I can taste all of those things and it's goofy for people like, because there, there's going to be people that are going to listen to this and they don't drink coffee at all. And they're like, what? What is wrong with this fool? But there is, for me personally, there's an appreciation, there's an experience that I have of that entire process from the people in, whether it's Colombia or Ethiopia or Costa Rica or wherever the coffee came from, the people that are literally walking the mountains, harvesting the coffee cherries off the tree all the way to the roasters, to the baristas, to, you know, I have an appreciation for that entire process. It's like you experienced their work through that cup of coffee, that everything that all those people did culminated in that two ounces, four ounces, eight ounces, 12 ounces, whatever that you're holding in your hand. Much like when you're at a symphony or a venue or a concert or something like that, right? Like you're hearing music, but you're also experiencing the totality of those people's work in their craft that got them, you know, if, if you're, you know, if I'm, if I'm down at the Meyerson in Dallas, listening to the, you know, the Dallas wind symphony, I, I am experiencing the totality of all of those musicians experience and all the hours that they put into their craft in that one immersive point in time. Right. Really what we're talking about, is this deeply human experience that we have as rational thinking people. We don't just live life. We can understand aspects of life. We can think and and rationalize and explore and appreciate the various dimensions and dynamics and things that go into everyday experiences. And if we're willing to do that, also, as part of the human experiences, we're all unique. We're all different. We have different mm-hmm. things that we're interested in and appreciate, but absolutely, we get more out of life. Yeah. Our, our experience of life is enriched and is absolutely. full and it is richer. And I love that you mentioned music. You and I actually met because we both went to the University of North Texas. Go uh, Green. You're... Um, <laughs> from the area. I was not. I moved to Denton and I went to North Texas because I wanted to be a musician. And North Texas has this preeminent music school. And Mm -hmm. I remember as a small child watching the Superman movies Mm -hmm. and the feeling that I got when I heard that John Williams score, bump, bump, you know, and it's the Superman yeah. theme. And from, well, and John Williams is like a superhero yeah, of, of music composition too. But I would ignite it in me. And the reason I went to North Texas, the reason you and I met is I wanted to be a movie scorer because yeah. I deeply understood and was moved by the power of a musical score that is part of the storytelling and woven into the production of a, of a cinematic experience. And, you know, to mention yeah. John Williams, I, I don't know if you ever heard Harrison Ford talk about uh, the early days of doing Star Wars. And of course, all those actors did the very first Star Wars and they thought they were making some B rated sci-fi movie. And they're like, whatever, what is this? And then he yeah. goes to the premiere at the Chinese theater in Hollywood and 
none of the actors had heard any of the music. They had no idea. And his, the way he tells it is hilarious. If you know, Harrison Ford's notorious for being not a very good interview. And he's, he's, so he's telling, he's like, I'm sitting in the theater and you see the words start to scroll across the screen. And this John Williams theme come out the star Wars, you know, opening credits theme. And he said, Oh, holy crap this is going to be huge yeah. <laughs> and so you know i mean and it's and i yeah. but so all that to say i have the same experience my uh, mother is uh, on the board of the community symphony the in the town i grew up in and they're talking about how do we get young people more involved and i said you i'll tell you exactly how you get more young people involved when we lived in dc we'd go to wolf trap and they did three summers in a row where they did the Lord of the Rings trilogy with live orchestral and choral accompaniment. And so you watch the movie, you're, you're sitting there at Wolf Trap, which is a beautiful setting, outdoor amphitheater setting, and you're watching the movie, but there's an orchestra there and a choir there. What's so cool about that experience is you're hearing a really good movie score is so well tied into the storytelling that you almost don't even know it's there. Yeah, if you're watching yeah. it in a theater, but in That's that right. setting, because it's a live orchestral accompaniment, it's emphasized and you, yeah. and you appreciate it more. It just was powerful and totally transformed the experience of, of course, the Howard Shore mm. scores for the Lord of the Rings trilogy are just phenomenal as well. Yeah, they're epic. But as I was talking to my mother, as we're kind of talking about, well, okay, you know, how do we get, do something to get my demographic more engaged in community symphony? I had the thought, was that experience truly very powerful just because I'm a mid thirties person who likes movies and that's a great way to expose me to the deeper understanding of the music Yeah. or did it resonate with me more because I have this background and experience of wanting to be a movie composer and scorer and I studied it for a time. There's a reason why I didn't finish that degree, but we'll leave that for another day. Uh, but it, it, um, I did not have what it takes. But nor did I, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but because of the knowledge, and I think that's what you're getting at, because of the yeah. time taken to understand and study and dig into this experience of life, yep. it resonated with me more. I appreciated yeah. it more. And what happened was, is I enjoyed it more. And I think that's what we're getting yeah. at. We have the ability as human beings that other members of the animal kingdom don't necessarily have. I, I think animals can feel pleasure, but do they feel joy? And yeah. we have the ability because we're rational thinking people to understand, explore, learn, be taught and trained in a skill or a technique or a trade. And that leads to a deeper level of appreciation, which ultimately leads to a deeper level of joy. We enjoy these experiences more. Yeah. Well, and and I think to bring it back full circle, all of those things are enhanced by the technologies that we have available to us, right? Could I still have, and could you still have had the, 
appreciation for music or coffee if I didn't get trained as a barista or, you know, you didn't go to the University of North Texas and learn about scoring music and music theory. Although I don't know that anybody gets joy from <laughs> theory 101. Um, I failed. But, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. I failed theory two. I did okay in theory yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I think I got to be in theory one. And then yeah, yeah, theory two is a struggle. But the technology that's I mean, like, you could get dang near close to a trained barista just by watching YouTube videos, right? Yeah. And depending on the TA you had, you could probably learn theory, music theory off of YouTube better than you could from some TAs. Um, right. You know, so there's that technology. And then when we when we, you know, move into we've been talking about coffee, music and those kinds of things. But when we talk about applying this to people, right, the more that you understand people, the greater level of affection and joy that you have have for and and from that person. Yeah, I mean, if you think about whether it's friends, you know, I mean, it's, there's a reason that friends that you've known for years and years and years and years, there's an experience that you have with those people that you don't have with the friend that you just met a month ago, a year ago, right? Because you understand, you know, that person much better or, 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 you know, you can apply that to spouses or partners or whatever the kid kids, as you learn more about people, you want, you appreciate them or you have a better understanding and it brings a different level of joy. And there's a litany of technologies that we can use and leverage in a really positive way to learn about people better. Some of those technologies, you have to use them appropriately. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you do, I can connect with people in a way today that I couldn't connect with people years ago before the advent of even FaceTime. If I wanted to see my mother who lives in Florida, I had to go to Florida, <laughs> right? Like, but now uh, I can jump on Google Duo or Apple FaceTime or whatever, you know, and I can literally see my mother. There's plenty of studies out there that having a face-to-face, -face, being able to see somebody, obviously the conversation you and I are having right now would be very different if we were literally in person uh, having a face-to-face -face conversation, but this is a much more enhanced and, and enriching experience than if we were just having it over the phone and not being able to see each other at all, yeah. right? So there's an we can leverage technology in a really meaningful way to increase our understanding of things or even people and in the process enrich our, our experience with those things and with those people. I think the point to be made, the lesson that we're drawing from where we are currently as a society is that we have discovered the power of these technologies to facilitate a deeper level of connection with the people we care about and that is going to lead to a deeper level of enjoyment yeah. of, of them. You know, I, my kids are right now at Camp Grand and Gramps. You know, they're spending a week down with my folks. It's a and beautiful experience. I, I, uh, yeah, we're getting a lot of junk done at our house right now. Well, Absolutely, you are. <laughs> but, I, man, I grew up every summer, would go and spend a week with my grandparents that lived up in Missouri, loved that. So I had that experience, and now my kids are having that experience. Yeah. But I remember a comment my father made because, you know, his parents who lived a thousand miles away from us, we saw once, maybe twice a year, my whole childhood. He made the comment that he really admired his parents because he could see that they were able to foster and develop a relationship with me and my brothers, yeah. you know, his kids. Yeah. Um, 
that was very, very meaningful and powerful. And my dad made the comment saying, I don't know how they did that because he is cultivating a relationship with his grandkids and he has access to all this technology. Right. And it's amazing how he's able to see everything in real time. We're, you know, mm-hmm. when we're out at a park and something happens, we'll take a picture of the girls and we'll share it in our family thread and they see it in real time. And if they want to yeah. do a, a FaceTime, they just do it. And yep. he said, he just, one, made him very thankful for the power of the technology enabling him today to have a relationship with his grandkids. It also made him really admire his own parents who were able to very effectively foster a meaningful relationship without that technology. But that's the point we're making is that it really is amazing how it can help us connect with other people. And that connection creates a deeper level of affection and appreciation, which leads to a deeper level of joy in those interactions and those relationships in life. It's human yeah. flourishing. And we keep talking yeah. about technology and we are tech focused and we want to talk about technology in the intersection. But ultimately, if a technology is really going to have a meaningful impact on our lives, it's because it's just going to have a meaningful impact on our lives. It's making life better. That's right. And That's so right. it, we right. don't have to talk about coding. We don't have to talk about right. what companies merging with another company to develop what proprietary platform or software to whatever. In its essence, technology makes our lives better. It enhances our experience and our relationships. It increases our level of satisfaction and joy in the everyday. And we're not always cognizant of it. We don't right. because we haven't paid attention to technology. So let's talk about the technology of coffee. Tell me about yep. some tell me about the technology of coffee. Tell me about these things that's going into <laughs> coffee. That's making our lives better that we're not paying attention to. Yeah. So there's a handful of things, right? I mean, if, if we break it down into, you know, what I would call low tech and high tech, right? Some of the, I mean, the low tech things are easy. They're, you know, it's it literally it's hands, people's hands that are hard. Literally, there's not, in most instances, there's not a way to, to mass harvest these things because of where they grow. There's a, a very nuanced process of being able to evaluate when, when a coffee cherry is ready to be picked. So, but then things like moving into higher techs, like your roasters, right? I mean, the, the, it literally, it's it's not high tech, but it's higher tech, right? And roasters are, are very, there's a wide range of, of, of the sophistication of roasters even, right? There's like your big, massive and, you know, more large scale types of roasters where you're, they're roasting thousands of pounds at a time. And then there's even like lower, you know, simple tech where it's literally a cute, like, a metal mesh cube, like a little two inch cube um, that somebody puts a candle over or like a, an alcohol, you know, uh, burner and literally turns with their hands and will roast a cup's worth of coffee beans, which that's a little bit far stretched for me even. So there's roasters, grinders and mills, right? So like how you grind your coffee, there's a, again, a wide range from hand grinders all the way to on the more like coffee shop scale, they're called, you know, like they'll actually dose, they'll grind in, you know, in one uh, single time, they'll actually dose out. You can dial in, Hey, I want, I want a 17 gram shot. And the, the grinder will actually 
you hit a button, it'll grind 17 grams into the portafilter, which is the little thing that goes into the, the espresso machine. So there's a process called tamping, which if you've ever been to a coffee shop, they grind the beans into the little metal portafilter, and then they have what's called a tamp. It's like a little hammer stamp thing, and they actually tamp you know, and pressure and push the, the beans in there because, or the grounds, because there's a, there's a reason they do that. But so you can even get high tech with the, the grinders. They can even tamp a, a shot and pull a shot or, or sorry, pull a, a dose of shot. And then really into the brewing appliances is where the tech really starts to get, you know, out there. I mean, you can get. Yeah. So, and let, yeah. let's stop right there because everything you've talked about up to now is a lot of the agriculture the growing, the harvesting, mm-hmm. the roasting, and the grinding. That's kind of on the, from the agriculture side to the initial processing side, kind of making your way to the actual producing the cup of coffee uh, yeah. with, with, with grinding and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But there are some in- extraordinary innovations in technology surrounding agriculture. Uh, sure. From, I mean, GPS has completely transformed farming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, GPS combined with robotics has mm-hmm. allowed where you used to have dozens, sometimes hundreds of people working a crop to plant, to sow, to water, and to harvest can now be done by a person sitting at a computer mm-hmm. that's watching the progress of a a robot controlled tractor that's harvesting and that's creating one it's really maximizing the opportunity for you know large-scale agriculture operations but it's also impacting jobs it's impacting Mm. people who used to do that work it's really dramatically impacting rural communities Mm. Uh, we're seeing I'm in Oklahoma, and so we big ag state, a lot of exurbs, rural communities. You're seeing a lot of population growth in some of these unique pockets of population centers in Oklahoma, places like Weatherford, Elk City, in Texas, Panhandle, places like Amarillo, because mm-hmm. you have farmers who have farmed their whole life that are aging. And because of these new technologies, they can basically still continue to operate the farm. They don't have to sell it and move somewhere. They can just relocate to like an Amarillo where there's more medical care and and amenities and things they may need as they get older, but still basically Mm -hmm. manage their farm. So it's changing the landscape of our country and where people are living, what they're doing. I have a good friend who is in Uganda and he has a business that is entirely built around helping very impoverished people in Uganda develop agribusiness, both Mm -hmm. micro and macro farming, but helping individuals develop their own agribusiness operations so they can support their families and lift themselves out of poverty. And because of COVID, Uganda had a horrible outbreak and it's really devastating what's happening in Uganda right now as we speak. Wasn't able to come right now, but we're working on getting him over to Oklahoma and he's just going to do a learning trip and he's going to go the ag department. I've worked with them. He's going to go around the state and just look at the machinery, the technology, the things that very advanced agricultural operations in 
Oklahoma are using so he can learn and go back to Uganda and help family-owned agribusinesses implement. And so Mm -hmm. the technology that's just on that side of it is quickly developing and quickly changing the landscape of what it looks like to be able to do that. Here, we're talking about jobs lost. Other parts of the world, it's going to lift people out of poverty to be able to do this. So seeing things in a big picture. And it's protecting an asset too. I mean, the the other thing that, you know, when you talk about technology of agriculture, so much of what dictates the yield of a crop is, you know, soil pHs and and being able to monitor things like that. And so where the, you know, they're leveraging technology that may have only been available to a restricted few because of just, you know, the, the cost of availability, right? Now, a lot of that technology is being proliferated more to where it's more ubiquitous across the ag industry. I mean, some of what you're talking about is is increasing the ability to remotely manage some of this stuff, but just being able to use technologies to test like, okay, you know, I need to add this to my crop right. to in, to either increase its yield or just make sure that we got the same yield that we got last year right. so that we make the same amount of money and protect, you know, our livelihood from that standpoint too. That's, a, that's another massive piece right. of ag tech. Right. Okay. So we've got a few minutes left, Drew. So yep. let's move to the more advanced technology. Talk about the brewing side of it and where some of the more advanced technology comes into play for a few minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like I was getting at, when you start getting into brewing, that's really where the, you know, the technology really starts to get fun. You know, I mean, if, if you ever have the opportunity to go to some of the more um, established chain coffee shops, most of them, and this isn't a knock on the baristas, they're just leveraging the technology that they have, candidly. But if you look at some of the machines that they use and look at them, literally, there's technology out there where they can push a button. So there's two parts usually to most drinks at a coffee shop, right? It's pulling the shot, right? So that's taking the grounds and running pressurized, really hot water through the coffee grounds, extracting the oil out, and you get a cup. That's your cup of coffee, right? And then the other side of most drinks, you know, coffee beverages is the steamed milk of some instance, right? So there's these machines where literally they can take your cup, put it underneath the, you know, where the shot's going to be pulled out. They can pour up the volume of milk that they know that they need put it under the steam wand and push one button and it does all of it for them. It'll pull the shot and it will actually steam the milk. There are some out there that the steam wands actually move. And so literally the barista just has to do like two things uh, and then pour the milk into the, into the coffee. Right. So you, you can get that high tech to where it's literally pushing buttons and making coffee. The purists like me, you know, are like, nah, you need to actually learn how to do that crap, man. Like, um, but so you get that piece of it. And then the home technology has massively, you know, the machines, like, like I was just talking about, you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars, right. Um, you know, for the really high end espresso machines and not even the automated ones, just like the ones where you're literally self pulling the shot, steaming the milk yourself. You can, I mean, literally you can spend tens of thousands of dollars on that stuff. But then the home tech, I mean, what I can do in my own home, I mean, there are home espresso machines to where they've gotten the technology down to where within reasonable price points. Now, 
comparatively. Uh, for me to spend a couple thousand dollars to have an espresso machine in my kitchen is not going to happen uh, just because of the tightwad that I am. <laughs> but in comparison to a $50,000 espresso machine at a coffee shop, $2,000 to be able to, and you can brew really good coffee. You can pull really good shots consistently from a home espresso machine. So the, the, the home tech, the consumer level tech around coffee between home espresso machines, all of the different, you know, I kind of rattled off a few of them earlier, but like your pour overs and French presses and mocha pots and all of that stuff, that's all tech. And everybody has a different preference of what they want because all of those different methods give you a different taste, texture, of the mouthfeel of the coffee. So there's just a ton of different ways that you can brew coffee and the tech kind of goes along with them. So now let's, let's apply this to the person who's listening and says, I don't care about coffee. <laughs> That's exactly where I wanted to go. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, where I wanted to go. Because and, yeah. there is a massive piece of tech that's out there that makes it possible to explore and learn whatever it is you're interested in, deepen your knowledge of that thing, activity, skill, which will in turn be an experience, and in turn, deepen your appreciation and your enjoyment of it. And that technology is? Well, there's a lot of different... <laughs> We should have pre-planned that. YouTube. I was going to say YouTube. YouTube. Okay, yeah. I was going to say your phone, but yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, YouTube. YouTube. 100%, man. The ability yeah. to, you've got some gadget in your house. Yep. Whether it's an espresso machine that's sparking <laughs> or right. it's uh, your dryer. Your dryer or that's your, gone on the fritz. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or you can go to YouTube and yep. there is this immense volume and library of content that will help yeah. you understand it more. And yeah, absolutely. Why? Give me an example of how this piece of technology that's ubiquitous and readily accessible to anybody who's got a smartphone or a laptop. Yep. How does this help your life be one that is more full and can thrive more? Well, you know, one of the a very utilitarian way it can is it can save you money yeah. if you're willing to put in a little effort. I mean, the, the I mean, the best example I have outside of, you know, just pursuing my somewhat manic interest in lots of different things, but I really don't want to spend $800 on a new dryer. And so I, you know, I Google is like common reasons why dryer doesn't heat obviously the heating element is the you know the thing that the usual suspect there and so i went on youtube and it was like how you know how to how to test a heating element in a samsung dryer and found 50 videos on how to do it so i went to harbor freight picked up a 10 dollar volt voltometer voltmeter whatever you know, the electricians on here can kill me later uh, electrical engineers whatever that thing um picked another youtube video up showed me how to take my dryer apart so that I'd remember where all the parts went and tested it out. Sure enough, heating element was nuked, $35 part off Amazon, couple hours, done. Yeah, I yeah. got, you know, my, my, my dryer runs like a champ and I've helped other people change out, you know, like I've had friends that are like, dude, my dryer's not working. I, I got you, bro. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> order this part, get a case of beer and I'll be over. You know, so, I mean, that's, that's just one example of how I've, I mean, it, not, I mean, there's, there's countless, right. But it, it that's right. one for me that I, that has 
paid some, you know, material dividends. Yeah. You got the utility side of it and man, I could throw out examples of you know, water heaters and whatever, mm-hmm. and you can go learn and, you know, you're probably prepared to spend the money to have it replaced or a tech come out and work on it, but give it a shot. And worst thing you can Wait. do is spend money you were planning to spend on anyway. So, exactly right. Yeah. hundred percent. But I mean, you, it, yeah. I, do you, I bet you, I bet you enjoy the feeling of that shirt you're wearing right now a whole lot more because you know why it's dry. That's right. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, this is getting on a, a whole other philosophical tangent, but there is something to be said, and there is a value to having the confidence that if something in my house breaks, I can fix it. Now, you know, I draw a line at, you know, plumbing and electrical, you know, like if I have some electrical issue in the house, I'm calling an electrician, cause I don't want to burn my house down, you know, but see, I'm the opposite. I, I'll take on electrical plumbing, Nope. Nope. That's right. That's where well, I get someone well, else. That's my line too. Yeah. I mean, well, I've replaced <laughs> toilets in the house, but, uh, yeah. but as far as like, you know, plumbing in the walls, no, no I'm not messing with that either. <laughs> I'm with you. Like I, I don't want floods and I don't want fires. I don't, those are the two things I don't like. I maybe it's a biblical thing. I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a confidence there and there's a value like, you know, if, Hey, the something's not working. All right, well, screw it. Let me, <laughs> let me see what YouTube's got to say about that. You know? And to your point, like when my dryer was busted, what's the harm in trying, right? There's no harm because if I get in there and I screw it up, well, it was already screwed up. Like I was at the point of having to buy a new dryer. So my choice is I can try and fix it. And if I do sweet, I save myself the money. If I don't, I'm no worse the wear because I was going to have to buy a new one anyway. Right. So, you know, there, my encouragement to people just, just try, you know, like you have a resource, you know, give it a technology. You're right. You have the resource technologies there. There's, there's so much knowledge and information being shared and it's very consumable and helpful and you can actually use it and apply it to what you need. I will say you need to be discerning in terms of the information you choose to consume on YouTube around some of the how-to stuff. I I will say, you know, I I did have to weed through, you know, a handful of the, all right, before you start working on your dryer, you're going to need some duct tape and a case of Michelob. You know, like those, you should probably stay away (laughs) from those videos uh, in terms of information. But so be discerning, but it's there. Yeah, and we've talked about, Man, the complications and the challenges with education that we see coming and how technology is going to impact it. But I had a brother who was working for a while as a service manager and and was in the kind of auto mechanic world. And they would kind of joke about where did they get their training? YouTube University. Ha ha ha. ha, Joked. I said, I said, I said, dude, that's a thing. Like that's the thing the the infor- there's so much information there and there's so much up. It's just a matter of the relevant bodies that are going to be accrediting and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's going to come mm-hmm. um, because the knowledge is there now, you know, and so we've talked in utility perspective, man, I'll, I'll just quickly say, it's not just that it's just enjoyment. You sure. come across a new hobby. One of the first things that Absolutely. you do is you go, you can dive into all that content that's out there. YouTube is just the easy you know, low hanging fruit to go to because it's just massive, but there's so much stuff that's out there. I'm a Jeep guy. I've got a Jeep and there's, man, every time anything happens, I'm, I'm checking the Jeep forums and I'm, you know, reading, reading what people are saying, but you know, my Jeep starts making a clicking noise under the hood 
and I'm hearing that. I'm like, that's not right. It's not really affecting anything. That's not right. Man, I checked out the Jeep forums. I checked out YouTube. And, yeah. you know, from a utility perspective, I actually have a pretty good idea what I think the issue is. Now, I could try to tackle it myself. I actually mm. feel like I could. What would yeah. take a mechanic a couple hours might take me like two, three days. So, yeah, sure. and, and so, sure. you know, I'm going to take it in, but yeah. I feel much more empowered and equipped that I'm probably not going to get raked over the coals either. Yeah. I'm not going to be exactly taken to the cleaners right. because I already have a right. good idea what it is. Um, yeah. But hobbies, I go fly fishing and that's, that's a big thing I do with my father-in-law. There are folks that I follow on social media, different fly fishing guides and all of this stuff. And this gets back to the point of this whole episode is all of this content and knowledge that's out there and able to be shared in a way that, you know, that knowledge was always out there, but it's, mm -hmm. it's shareable. It's consumable in a way because of the technology that yeah. we have access to it and that knowledge can actually be absorbed in a way that we learn it and we're changed by it. We're affected by it. And, you know, learning is actually transformation being changed by what the data you're taking in, which yeah. enhances your appreciation, which can lead to greater joy and the things that you just do every day and the things you love. Yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So the encouragement is figure out something that you don't know a lot about that you want to yep. and just go freaking learn about it. Yep. YouTube should give us a sponsorship on this episode because we've been plugging the crap out of them. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't need us. They, really dang it. <laughs> You've been listening to the digitally connected podcast with Joel Harder and true. No, make sure to check us out wherever you catch all your podcasts and subscribe. So you don't miss any of our new content. We'll be dropping regularly. If you enjoyed the content today, give us a five-star rating. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time.